beauty is defined by something that causes you to like live perfectly in the present. Like I think we waste so much time being distracted by things in life and being, you know, self-conscious and concerned with other people's standards for beauty. And I think like anything in life that causes you not to be distracted by bullshit, but causes you to be like perfectly in the moment appreciating your life and like living your life without distraction, I think that's beautiful. Hello, beauty. Yes, you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. Hey everyone, Joyce Baton here, and welcome back to another episode of Hello Beauty. Today's special guest is Amanda Montel. Amanda is a linguist and author of Word Slut, a feminist guide to taking back the English language. Her writing can be found on Who, What, Where, Nylon, Birdie, Cosmopolitan, Glamour, and so much more. And as we're recording this, she's already working on her second book. Welcome to Hello Beauty, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me in this adorable setup. Thank you. You got the neon going, you got everything. Of (laughs) course. Can I just please share with my audience and my viewers first? Um, well, which will entice you to watch the video. You guys need to check out Amanda's eye game right now. Oh, <laughs> sparkly eyeshadow, lavender yes. and um, yellow. Yes, my that's kind of my favorite color combo at the yeah. moment. Well, I, I have so much yellow makeup because while I was on my book tour for uh-huh. Word Slut, which has a yellow book jacket, I was really leaning into the thematic <laughs> color scheme. So I would always wear yellow and blue to every event. So I have a ton of yellow makeup. So right now for the folks at home, if you want to know, I'm wearing um this like lavendery purple um cautious liquid eyeshadow, which I'm obsessed I with. I love their stuff. I just love like the lavender uh-huh. and like bright but like soft yellow combination. It's very like French springtime. I love it. Yeah. And then um the other uh product is the um the Huda Beauty mm. um like dual ended eyeshadows. Yeah, you did mention that in your story, actually. Oh, I did, did see I? it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because people oh, were right. asking Yeah. Oh, yes. It's in one of your highlights if they want to check it out. Yes, exactly. Mm. I love those Huda Beauty um mm-hmm. dual ended eyeshadow sticks. When you said it was in my story, like the word story can be applied to so exactly. many different as a writer now. I know. I was like a short story I wrote a story I wrote for Birdie my Instagram story what kind of story are you talking about that's so true yeah. no because I, I love it I notice it for of course as a makeup artist that's yeah. what I notice it's not even about because I'm judging it's more about like I love the feeling that it brought me because right now when we're recording this it's like winter time and yes you know I'm freezing even if you know of course I know we sound spoiled it's not exactly cold but no we're in Los Angeles <laughs> it's like 60 degrees but 65. I'm freezing and plus I'm also you know from the tropics I'm Filipina yeah so I'm just used to like warmth oh no I hear you like the second it drops below 70 degrees it's not even that I'm cold it's just I want to wear my sweaters yeah <laughs> and yet you know there I, I like wearing bright colors yeah. so I never look all that wintry yeah so it definitely brought like sunshine into the studio uh-huh. So I do want to get into your background. And I mean, I've already started, you know, listening because I bought the audiobook to your, um, you know, word slide. Yes, thank you. And you do get into a bit of your childhood there. But I do want to share that with my listeners. Oh, yeah. 
Um, talk to me about like your first love for language. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was born and raised in Baltimore. Um, I'm the daughter of two research scientists. Mm. I come from a long line of research scientists, actually. Um, I was the chattiest person in my family by far. They were a little bit stunned by me, I think, because my parents are these sort of like mild mannered scientists. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't, I, I don't know exactly what ins first inspired my love of language, but um, I do remember being really little and being fascinated by foreign accents and foreign, lang mm. foreign languages. And my mom spoke French and I would beg her to speak it to me in public so I could like pretend that oh I was a little gosh. French girl. Um, and she never did. And I'm still bitter. But um, yeah, I grew up always wanting to learn foreign languages. I speak Italian. It's one of my greatest regrets in life that I never went on to become like a super polyglot, like one of those people <laughs> who speaks 20 languages. Oh I'm gosh. so... Uh, I, I'm just so jealous of people who um, who dedicated their lives to that mm -hmm. and have like a, a serious gift for that. I have a friend like that. That's oh like his thing. He knows all languages and he yeah. was teaching me how to like actually an, an easy way to remember languages and actually stick to it. But then I was like, I don't have time for that. I, I wish I did. Oh my gosh, I know. And you know, I, I hang on to my Italian. Um, mm. It's so precious to me because it's like the one foreign language yeah. that I actually actually fluently speak. But yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I, discovered the thesaurus when I was like 10 years old and was like fascinated mm -hmm. by all the synonyms that exist in English and um yeah so when I when I got to college I didn't know that linguistics or the study of the science of language was even a thing mm -hmm. um but I was delighted to discover it and so the two things I studied in college were linguistics where yeah you study the science of language um and there are so many subfields there's phonetics and phonology and semantics and syntax. I always thought it was funny that there was a field of study called semantics where people <laughs> dedicate their entire lives to studying um, uh, the, the science of meaning because yeah. in everyday conversation, people would be like, oh, that's just semantics. So like, Let's not get into the semantics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's like a whole science called semantics. Um, but I, I was most obsessed with sociolinguistics, which is where sociology and language intersect. Mm -hmm. um, and the relationship between the two of those. And then simultaneously, I also um, was studying creative writing and poetry. So it was sort of like the science of language and the art of language. And mm -hmm. I always wanted to find a way to combine the two. But being a linguistics writer is like not really a thing, or at least it wasn't um, when I was telling people what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> um, so I ended up pursuing um, a writing career and just kind of putting the linguistics stuff in my back pocket. And um, and I eventually became a beauty editor and I, I sort of fell into it. I mean, I, I came into it um, from a writing perspective. I wanted um, a writing day job while um, during my free time, I worked on um, publishing my own stuff because oh, yeah. I ultimately wanted to publish a book of nonfiction. Um, that was my ultimate career dream. But of course, being an author is not a job until it is, yeah. um, until you get a book deal. Mm -hmm. And so I basically tested out all these um you know, writerly slash literary types of careers while I was in college. I went to NYU, so mm -hmm. I had access to the whole city of New York to try different Amazing. internships and things. And um, the women's lifestyle, like digital editorial industry seemed like the most fun. I don't know. <laughs> like I, I could have pursued um, maybe like a more or a more serious or like hard hitting journalism career, but I wanted to do something that wouldn't require like too much bandwidth um, <laughs> during the day because I would just go home and write more. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, obviously, like being a beauty editor is is 
you know, a job and you have hard deadlines and you have to do a lot of writing, but I was going to be doing a lot of writing either way. So I thought like, I'll just cut myself a, a like a little break and I'll just mm-hmm. write about like makeup and skincare during <laughs> the day so that at night I can go home and uh, write about a wildly different topic, which was, you know, I was writing cultural commentary. Mm-hmm. I was writing about um, language. Um, I was writing personal essays, things of a totally different genre. Um, and that's how it kind of, uh, that's how those were like the two writing worlds that I was existing in at once. And then, um, when I finally got my book deal, I was working as a beauty editor at Birdie. Um, and they kindly let me take six months off of my job. Yes. I pitched, um, a, a book leave to them. (laughs) I had heard that at like the New York times and places like that where, their journalists are always getting book deals. There's a thing called book leave, which uh-huh. is like unpaid maternity leave. Yeah. So they <laughs> they generously let me take six months off to write most of my first draft of the book, Word Slut, um, which is about language and gender. Um, and I, I was I felt so redeemed because I finally was getting an opportunity to marry my love of the art of language with my love of the science mm-hmm. of language. Um, and that's how the book happened. And then um, after my first book came out, I signed a second book deal and um, had a bunch of other things going on, but I I went freelance after that because I I that was my goal all along. You know, I, I joke that like ever since I first entered the workforce, I did everything in my power to try to leave it. <laughs> like I just wanted to like have no boss and work for myself and just like be left alone in a in a cave to write. Um, yeah, which like sounds depressing. Which is your but... natural self. Though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm still writing about yeah. beauty. I'm still mm-hmm. like freelancing for Birdie and Who What Where, where I worked full time after Birdie and um, a bunch of other places. But um yeah, I'm doing like the full time author thing. I which love is it. Lovely. Yeah. Do yeah. you have a writing kryptonite? Oh, like something. Meaning, like, what yeah. is something that it's like a hard no? Like, I cannot get into that type of writing. Well, now that you have oh. your your you know your own way of writing, and I it's like I have the power to write anything. But you're like, I'm never gonna get into that topic. Oh gosh. Oh, topically, I'm not sure, but I I'm a really poor fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Like. The last time I wrote fiction was in college and it was just god awful. <laughs> that sort of makes sense though because I only really ever read nonfiction, yeah. like personal essays like Nora Ephron and Joan Didion and and memoirs and things. That was always my favorite genre. Um so yeah, no, I'm a bad fiction writer, which is fine. I mean, maybe one day I'll take a crack at it, but like yeah, I I mean my favorite things to write about. I I love writing about beauty like I, but I didn't initially set out to yeah. write about beauty, mm-hmm. which I guess is like, you know, people listening who desperately want to be beauty editors are probably like, "Oh my god." <laughs> like be grateful. I am. But um my favorite things to write are sort of like cultural commentary pieces and of course to write about language and gender and um but my second book is about the language of cults, mm-hmm. um, which is really fun. The sort of elevator pitch that I use is uh, I'm writing about cults from Scientology to SoulCycle. Oh, and yes. And how <laughs> they use language to, quote unquote, brainwash us um, or create a reality or create mm-hmm. a community or create an us versus them dichotomy. All the things that a, that a cult, cults of all stripes need um, to be successful. So I, I love writing about sort of like cultural things yeah, cultural and sociological stuff. psychological things i love it yeah so what compelled you to start with Wordslet, a guide to feminist you know like yeah. as your first book yes so i 
One of my side hustles that I was doing when I wasn't writing for Birdie all day um, was I was creating content about language and gender in video format Uh for this media platform that existed at the time called Wifey TV, Ah. which was this... um, feminist media platform launched by Jill Soloway, who's the creator of the um, Amazon series Transparent, Mm -hmm. um, which is an amazing show and one of my favorites. I was a huge fan of Jill and um, got the, you know, through whatever, like my attempts at networking at the ages of like 22 and 23 got this gig where I was making videos for free for Wifey TV, um, Jill's platform, in my apartment um, about language and gender because it was this like feminist video content platform and that's something that I had studied in college and had been wanting to talk about and write about um I did not know how to make videos I still don't know how to make videos even (laughs) after two years of doing that but I was like I launched this sort of like what now is to me very cringy um like sort of talking head YouTube show where I would comment on some event happening in pop culture or current events or the media and I would analyze it from a language and gender perspective um and make it like fun and accessible and I I was really just doing it to like breathe the same air as Jill Soloway because I was such a fan (laughs) and also you know to have it be like a part of my repertoire and a part of my body of work Mm -hmm. you know when you're like 23 years old you don't know why you're doing certain things for free or like making (laughs) certain things for free but you're just like this could lead to something someday I don't know when I don't know what but like (laughs) it's it's fun um and I'm just gonna see where it goes and um so when I finally got on the phone with a literary agent um and sort of like spewed my life story and talked about all the writing that I was doing you know I'm a beauty editor at Birdie and I also write personal essays on the side and I've also freelanced for places like Marie Claire and blah 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 and I also have this little show about language and gender um it was called the dirty word um I beg you not to look it up it is so cringy but um (laughs) I've actually seen it it's actually really cute oh my god no I uh, I can't bear to watch it I'm like putting on this youtuber persona and it's just like so I like squirm when it's I watch hard because I mean I think it's natural like human nature once there's like a camera in front of them you just like their personality changes you're like, like go nuts <laughs> I know I know and like at that time like 2014 2015 it was very much like blah, blah, blah. like yeah, yeah. that was the YouTube vibe mm. like everybody was putting on this like very extra yeah YouTube persona um now I think the YouTube vlogger type um has sort of chilled out and now it's all about like authenticity and just, like your day-to-day life even in instagram yeah i feel like it's less curated yeah it's it's less curated but that's almost like more problematic because it's like it is ultimately just as curated yeah it just it looks more effortless now it's like the no makeup makeup look yes yes <laughs> the the no makeup makeup look has pervaded like everything we do in life uh-huh. like how we approach our presentation of ourselves Mm. in general like you have to be perfect and seem like you don't care about being perfect yeah at the same time which is just infuriating oh my god but I did read some like um I will not name her but she did say that I am I become high maintenance to be low maintenance oh yeah 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 yeah. like they get all these treatments and get their hair done just so that it's just like five minutes to get ready yeah 100 percent. i mean all these like eyeliner tattoos and all these things that totally you know to deal with eyelash extensions and lip injections like everything um that you do you put so much effort into secretly like behind closed doors (laughs) so that you don't have to wear makeup um but 
Yeah. So all of, all of that is to say that I was putting a lot of effort into my <laughs> cringy YouTube persona at the time. Um, but, you know, I was 23. Can't, I can't fault myself too hard, um, especially because this literary agent that I talked to and ended up signing with. And, you know, she was my she was my break. You know, she like took this chance on me and that's why I got my book deal. Um, she thought that the language and gender stuff was really compelling. Um, this was early 2017 when I uh, signed with her. And um, I think that conversations about language and gender were first starting to um, crop up in the media and things. Um, and so I think that was interesting to her. And you don't find a lot of people with a background in or passion for linguistics. Um, and, you know, people who do pursue linguistics, you know, they go on to become um, PhDs and they're writing about it in a really inaccessible academic way. And my whole um, intention with the dirty word and then ultimately with word slut was to make these topics accessible and fun and funny um, for a general reader who knows nothing of linguistics, um, knowing that everybody is inherently fascinated by language because we all use it mm -hmm. um, and everybody wants to know why we talk the way we do. And so unearthing um, little known studies um, that have been done on little things like gendered insults or the word mm. like or, yeah. and why people say it so much and why people hate to hear it and think it makes people sound stupid and vocal fry and these these little these little quirks and these little speech qualities that um, permeate our conversations every day you know like what's motivating them and why they're there and why some of them might be problematic um, are things that I think blow people's minds a little bit because yeah. they most people don't study linguistics in school in school exactly it yeah. was actually mind-blowing because hearing you know listening to you I actually love actually he hearing your voice while as you narrate your book oh yes I got to record <laughs> my own audiobook which was really fun it, it was fun it sounds fun because you actually really get into it and also your personality which makes you more like you know, like you feel close to the author. Yeah. So that's the point of well, it. And I love it. The book it. was written in my exact voice. Uh -huh. So like I had to be the one to yeah. record it, um, which was a little bit of a battle. Actually, they wanted to hire an actor. And uh I was like, I actually had to audition to <laughs> record my own audio. What? <laughs> but that um, is interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was about to say, like, uh, just listening to that, I there was a plenty of eye opening topics there. Even little things about how because on a daily basis, especially if you're in a relationship, for example, you know, with your boyfriend, yeah. you get so confused. I'm like, no, I didn't mean it that way. And then you end up just fighting. But it's because of these like what you talk about gender differences. It's not just because like one or the other is this or dumb or not it's, exactly. or that they don't understand each other. It's just right. really like they are hard, hardwired. To talk because that of our way. socialization, yeah, yeah. Um, and like it's a centuries of hardwiredness. Like, I mean, my favorite example was, you know, how women they love including others, and there's affirmation saying, yeah, you know, a lot of nodding, minimal responses, yes, minimal responses, cross talk, yes. and, yeah. And then for men, they take it as an interruption if they, if women sort of put in their own story as a relatable, you know, type of like, you know, like feeling for everyone. Totally, and because. Um, the way that men speak is seen as sort of the default mm -hmm. in in our culture. Um, and it's why, you know, the voice of authority aligns with the voice of men and um, the why the voice of intellectualism aligns with with men's voices and things like that, because um, those standards exist. Uh, we interpret the way that women use language as, you know, dumb or silly or frivolous, um, even though often um, what 
well, when, what linguists have consistently found is that women are our language's linguistic innovators and that women, especially young women, whose speech is derided more than anyone else's, mm -hmm. um, they're at the cusp of language trends. Um, so many of our culture's most marginalized communities are the ones who have pioneered some of our languages you know, best stuff, yeah. like um, how so much modern slang comes from ballroom culture in the mm -hmm. 1980s, the culture of um, Black and Latinx gay and trans folks, um, language like read and slayed and slay yeah. and yas and work. Um, a lot of people, uh, well, now people are, are coming around to the origins of those slang terms, but um, people, a lot of people still think that they come from the internet, that they're like white people Twitter slang, but really um, they came out of a, a very serious need for these marginalized folks um, to be able to have like a secret code to talk mm -hmm. one another and, and avoid oppression and persecution. And, you know, that's why so much um, amazing language innovation comes about is because um, certain groups need it in order to um, assert power. Like language is a form of power, mm -hmm. um, a really material, tangible form of power um, in our culture. And people don't even realize that. And that power can be wielded for good or evil um, and everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's kind of something that I wanted to, to break open in so many different ways. Yeah. Like at the chapter that you're referencing is um, this chapter called mm -hmm, Girl, You're Right, How Women Talk to Each Other yeah. When Dudes Aren't Around. Um, but there is also a chapter on the history of our languages, um, most used gendered slurs and like what they say about our culture at large. Um, and there's a chapter, there's a chapter on cursing. There's a, ha a chapter on um, genitalia naming yeah. slang and what <laughs> that says about our narratives of sex at large. There's um, a chapter on grammatical gender called uh, how to embarrass the shit out of people who try to correct your grammar. Yeah. Um, and so that. the book just covers like this wide spectrum of and it, as wide as the spectrum is, it pained me that I wasn't able to cover absolutely everything that there is to say on the topic yeah. of feminist sociolinguistics but it's sort of like this you know enlightening brash uh crash course in the relationship between gender and words and what they say about our culture yeah it's enlightening it actually gives you confidence because it well for me it gave me that feeling like i'm like hey there's something wrong with me actually yeah. you know while reading or listening to this book yeah yeah because there's that <laughs> chapter called um women didn't ruin the english yeah. language they like invented it yeah <laughs> which um sort of uses empirical studies to defend speech qualities so often criticized in the speech of young women like saying like every other word and vocal fry and upspeak uh vocal fry for those who aren't familiar is um this vocal quality that's often attributed to kim kardashian <laughs> um and then upspeak is when you end a declarative sentence in the upward yeah. intonation of a question like that um and then there's also you know little tag questions and things like that Th things that are often criticized in um the voices of female podcast hosts you know oh you'll gosh. see like itunes reviews will be like i love the content of the podcast but her voice was just so annoying like get rid of the vocal fry and the likes and then i'll listen to you and it's oh like goodness. well that's I mean, I've yeah, read. Yeah, uh, I've seen yeah. criticism like this is actually a good pod podcast, but people just have so much. To exactly. Say. And yeah. it's like the fact that you that you have that reaction to a woman's use of language um, really says something much deeper. And it's it's not really about 
the language itself. It's it's about um, your preconceived notions of, of women in general. I had my own preconceived notion about myself because oh, yeah. when I'm editing my videos, I'm like, why am I saying mm-hmm a lot? I'm, I sound annoying. Like even right. I'm like annoyed at myself. Oh, I know. They're so embedded in all of us. And like when sometimes when I'm doing word slot events and an audience member will ask me, you know, what is your advice for how to deal with criticisms um, that I get in the workplace of how I speak. You know, my boss will tell me not to use so much upspeak um, on on company calls or like not to say like so much. And I just, you know, have to tell them, like, obviously, it's not always realistic to confront your boss and be like, I read this book called Word Slot and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but what you can do is not perpetuate those same problematic standards. You know, the the, what I do in the book is I um, sort I talk about these studies that show what like and upspeak and vocal fry and these qualities that are often criticized really mean and how they have such uh, such interesting um, and unspoken social utility and so you can understand that and then you know as you move forward in your professional career you cannot uphold those problematic standards for how women speak so that one day when you're the boss the next generation of people coming up in the company will feel like accepted and mm-hmm. not like they have to accommodate their speech to the standards of like you know middle-aged white men which oh is how goodness. we want everybody to sound so. sound like a professional email or a business email oh, oh. yes oh my god <laughs> yes i've seen like memes talking about you know the struggle of how to sound professional in an email but not cold you yeah. want to sound friendly because the the standards for niceness in women are uh, are so high you know like you can so quickly be thought of as a bitch for using um, the same exact punctuation that a dude would use. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I could go on. And <laughs> <laughs> well, there are plenty of empowering words or terms lately, like she, oh, girl boss. Oh, yeah. Mompreneur. Talk Although to me. People, yeah. yeah. People have, um, you know, different opinions about the yes. conflicting opinions about terms like that because, um, you know, so, some people and there's really no right or wrong answer, exactly. but some people are really empowered by those terms and they love um, to feminize these classically mm-hmm. masculine words. But other people feel that when you say things like CEO and mompreneur and girl boss, you're really just highlighting the fact that the terms CEO and boss and entrepreneur, which are you know, not inherently gendered, um, are tacitly coded male. You reinforcing know, it, sexism. Yeah, it's, it's reinforcing the idea that these positions are male by default and that a woman can't hold these positions without, like, cutesifying the language. Yeah. Um, that's one perspective. There's, you know, again, there's really no right answer. And when someone – but I will say that when someone calls themselves a girl boss, I, like <laughs> – I like don't know how I feel about it. I like personally, I don't love it. Um, yeah. Well, but a girl too. Yeah, yeah, Sounds exactly. Like, um, Diminutive, naive, or young. I mean, we can be young entrepreneurs too, but I mean, it's just like girl. Yeah. It sounds like I, I mean, naive. girl boss at the end of the yeah. day was like a branding exercise, exactly. um, and so I. Yeah, it's 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 basically just a hashtag. Like it sounds really good, um, and there's no problem with that. I just yeah, and I, it was like a whole like creation exactly. that she started is yeah exactly um and that's amazing yeah. um i just yeah i i think you know if you're in a group of um male bosses yeah. and you're calling yourself a girl boss <laughs> it's just like i think it otherizes you a little bit more um mm-hmm. this is not to police anyone's language like if you want to no. call yourself a girl boss like have at it it's just um 
you know, inviting people to consider these different perspectives. It's more like putting more attention to something. That's yeah, like kind of you have normal. all this information you have like and that's what I'm trying to do with words. Like you have all of these empirical studies showing what, um, you know, linguists and their their work has to say about what these different terms mean. And then you're free to make your own decisions about how you want to use language. Yeah, I love that you actually get into the nerdy stuff of it, oh, yeah. like the origination of all these words yeah. and then how it came about. Yeah. And oh, I get into like, I love that. grammatical nuances. Um, but I try to do it in a way that's like, not so in the weeds that you're like, ugh, can we have this chapter over with by now? Yeah, because it's not like you're just ranting. Because sometimes when you're reading something random, you're like, okay, we we hear too much ranting. Oh no, already. it's yeah. not. It's not in my <laughs> yeah. nature to rant. I like. I'm trying to be like your friendly neighborhood yeah. linguist. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So you write for Who What Where, Birdie, yeah. Glamour, Cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Do you think there is still something that the beauty industry should shed light on or discuss more of? Yeah, I like I I want to talk more about the language of beauty because um there have been there have been a few movements over the past few years to um step away from certain terminology like weight loss and mm-hmm. anti-aging mm-hmm. and um I'm trying to think of other examples. Um just like certain terminology that's deemed to be problematic. And so you're supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to say anti-aging. Oh, um, flattering. flattering. I heard that at Bustle, they're not allowed oh, to call things, really? call certain silhouettes flattering. Um, so there's this push to move away from some of that language, which is maybe like reinforcing a problematic standard, like your clothes need to be flattering. Mm. So if you think something is really cute, but it doesn't flatter your body, you shouldn't get it. Or like we need to be anti-aging because everyone should want to look young, et cetera. But at the same time, I also find that a lot of brands are pushing the same standards, just using different language, <laughs> like saying like youth inducing or, um, yeah. you know, instead of anti-aging, you can say like wrinkle erasing <laughs> and it it means the same the thing, same, yeah. but you're sort of like distracting people with this language, um, but still like pushing the same standards and selling the same mm-hmm. products. So I think like that's worth, um, you know, being suspicious of. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, even with the copywriting and how a brand defines themselves, yeah. right? It's very interesting. Totally. Like what is that message you're delivering to your consumers and what type of consumers are they trying to get? Right. right. And I think like, you know, obviously a lot has been said about the commodification of feminism mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think, you know, it can be really misleading when you're, um, hawking a, a product as a feminist product when it's like, listen, let's just call a spade a spade. Like, it's a fucking eye cream. Exactly. Like, <laughs> people are entitled to not want under eye bags. In fact, I I think that, you know, uh, maybe a better way to even the gender playing field is not to say, well, this eye cream is feminist. It's maybe to say, well, it's just an eye cream, but, like, everybody should want to use it or everybody should be feel entitled to use it if they want to i have gotten my boyfriend into makeup yeah. and skincare recently actually using um, your products using yeah. well I, I he has his own now yeah, because but, he yeah. i taught him how to fill in his brows because oh, nice. he has like really light um a little bit sparse uh-huh. brows so i've taught him how to fill them in he's like getting into skincare mm-hmm. and i was at a party the other day and there was this guy there wearing eyeliner mm-hmm. and he was like 
all nervous because it was his first time wearing eyeliner in public and he like didn't want to be judged he just like wanted to try it out and it didn't mean anything for his gender like he he's you know or sexual exactly no he's solid in his like masculine gender identity but it was just really interesting and i've written about the history of men in makeup before for birdie um but it's just interesting because the exact look that he had put on was a look that was common among men in ancient egypt and actually makeup like in the very very early days of ancient humans when when makeup was used it was for men exactly like there is nothing inherently feminine about it um it's just to you know enhance yourself or to create you know to create an impression of a certain social status yeah or the more elaborated the more like i don't know exactly higher, the higher so, like, you are <laughs> it's become gendered really over just like the past you know couple hundred years mm-hmm. um i think the argument that like it's it's like feminist to wear such and such a product maybe not um although there are a few feminist products there's um there's actually a brand called Lip Slut that I uh, feel like I should collaborate with yeah. being the word slut, but they make these um, liquid lipsticks and 100% of the profits go to organizations like the ACLU mm. and Planned Parenthood and things. And the the lip products are named things like Fuck Trump and like, <laughs> so there's like a yeah. Kavanaugh lipstick. They're just like roasting the hell oh out gosh, of these like funny. enemies to women. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like, Let's not beat around the bush and like try to hide the fact that some of that a lot of this industry is really not feminist at all. Like it's 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 products like let's be real about it. And it's fine. It's just let's not tell only women Mm -hmm. that they're garbage and ugly and like need to improve themselves. (laughs) If you're going to market this shit market it to everyone yeah. <laughs> like, tell everyone that they're garbage <laughs> i mean obviously you're kind of dehydrated over there <laughs> yeah it's like yeah you bros over there yeah. you're looking old too <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know yeah, i love it <laughs> well here at hello beauty we have a philosophy and it's say hello to the beauty in you what advice can you give to those who are trying to discover their beauty within oh wow Gosh, I've been thinking about this because I know that this is a a question you were going to (laughs) ask. And I've been thinking about like how to how to, you know, zero in on your own beauty and not be distracted by the beauty that you see on Instagram and on the Internet and things like that. And I think to me recently, beauty is defined by something that causes you to like live perfectly in the present. Like, I think we waste so much time being distracted by things in life and being, you know, self-conscious and concerned with other people's standards for beauty. And I think, like, anything in life that causes you not to be distracted by bullshit, but causes you to be, like, perfectly in the moment appreciating your life and, like, living your life without distraction, I think that's beautiful. Like, whether that be, you know, the view from your front porch or, like, a person you really love or it could be a product. It could be a product that you're looking at and you're like, holy shit, I have never stopped to notice how much I love the color yellow. Like, you know, anything that causes that moment where you're, like, having, like, a mindful present 10 seconds even is is how you can like appreciate the beauty around you and the beauty in yourself if that makes sense 
It does. That's beautiful. No, that's really like everything's so fast paced now. Yeah. And like what you said, we're being so consumed being in the beauty industry. Like what is the standard of beauty? We all get confused. Right. There's always a trend, right? Totally. I mean, no matter what type of beauty is in right now, whether it be natural. Yes. Like avant-garde, whatever. Instagram we are, face. Exactly. Bella or Hadid face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like we also get tired and like what do we follow at the end of the day so i do believe in that and i love it yeah yeah what is your makeup skincare hair routine morning to night quickly in- include oh, products yes yes okay um so my, my routine has pared down significantly since i stopped being a full-time beauty editor mm-hmm. um but let's see okay i've been washing my face um recently with this um this I have combination skin and have been dealing with breakouts so I wash my skin first with um, a solid oil cleanser Mm -hmm. a cleansing balm by Hanskin which is Korean brand and then often I follow up um, with this uh, natural indie um, face scrub by the brand Tree of Life. You can get it on Amazon. None of this is like particularly cute packaging, but it's very affordable um, and and it's effective. And it's effective. Then I use serums by uh, Renee Rulo, Sunday Riley, um, the and uh, Dr. Barbara Sturm. What else? Um, those are like my go-to serums, and I use um, in the morning uh vitamin c and e um if i need it i'll use dr barbara sturm's calming serum um on like my breakout areas in the evening i'll either use um oh sometimes i use um well i use ahas and bhas sometimes i use renee rulo's pore and wrinkle serum sometimes i use this um aha bha tonic from moon juice and i just like put it on a on a like a toning pad and put that on and it has a little tingle lets you know it's working um or i use retinol i don't know if i said that already um the sunday riley retinol and then i will moisturize and um either i'll use a cream or an oil depending on my mood whatever i feel like doing and um there's this oil that i've been using recently by a brand i don't really know very well i think it's a new brand called samson and charlie they have i don't know they sent me something and i like kind of like it um and then i also use um oh i use pie skincare i use their line their rosehip Mm -hmm. oil and their eye cream and um i also use sunday riley eye cream sometimes and i use the noto botanics Mm -hmm. um blue moisturizer I i really love that brand um so that's the routine hair i use um purple shampoo by orbe um, I use um, Davines, uh, a mask by them because my hair is bleached and got to repair that ish. <laughs> um, and then that's really it. Really just like shampoo, conditioner by Orbe. Sometimes I rotate. I have a million. Um, but that I, I, I love that Davines mask. And then sometimes I blow dry my hair. Often I just let it air dry. And then I like wave it out with um, a Kristen S flat iron. Like really, really simple. Um, when it's obviously like completely dry that's what i do with my hair i do that pretty much every time i do my hair (laughs) um my hair air dries pretty straight so like i often don't do anything at all um blessed but uh (laughs) hashtag blessed yes um not that straight hair is the standard i'm just saying like (laughs) that i don't do anything to it a lot of the time and i'm at peace with that um sometimes it looks like shit it's also fine um and then makeup i mean this i can run through easily uh, Kogan Doe Foundation. I don't wear it every day. Kat Von D Locket Concealer. Um, a Tom Ford Eyeshadow. I cannot quit it. Or Kosas Eyeshadow. Kosas. Unsure how to pronounce. A uh, Benefit Roller Lash. Um, 
Benefit Cosmetics Brow Gel, beauty, or sorry, Brow Pencil, Beauty Counter Brow Gel, um, Charlotte Tilbury Lipstick, always, or Dior. Um, and What are you wearing right now? Um, this Your is lips. a combination of Charlotte Tilbury and this old Sephora brand um, lip balm that I oh, nice. can't quit. Um, what else? And um, Make Cosmetics Blush. Mm-hmm. Um and Noto Botanics highlighter. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. I love that. <laughs> what is something exciting in store for you? Oh, well, um, so I'm writing my second yeah. book. That's occupying a lot of my time. But I also um have a TV show in development. Mm. I'm adapting Word Slut for television with FX. That's amazing. So I'm exciting. in the process of writing the pilot. Oh my god, congratulations. We'll definitely keep a lookout for that. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully, I mean these things are you know, quote unquote, in development. Who knows if it'll get made, but if it did, that would be cool. Crossing fingers, it will. Yeah. What are your social channels and where can they find you? Um, I really just do Instagram. It's just Mm -hmm. at Amanda underscore Montel. Oh, cool. Well guys, there you have it. That was so much fun and Please follow and just so that you get updates about Hello Beauty and all the guests. And if you have any suggestions about guests and what topics I should cover, you can reach me all the time on my direct messages. I always check it and I always respond or my email. My email is team at hellobeauty.la and my Instagram is hellobeauty.la. And you can also reach me on my personal, which is Joyce Platon, M-U-A. So watch out for the next episode and make sure to watch this because you would definitely want to see Amanda's sparkly eyes. They're so cute. And I think it looks like we are definitely on Hello Beauty colors. We're both our sweatshirts are so like Hello Beauty colors. And they really Pale are. blue and then like kind of pink. So I love yeah. it. It's cute. You can have fun. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and watching. See you soon. Bye.